0: All right, let's open up in our Bibles to Matthew chapter four. If you have your Bibles with you, let's open up there together, Matthew chapter four. If you don't have your Bibles, that's totally okay. We will have it on the screen here for you. But I do wanna say as well, if you don't own a Bible, if you don't own a Bible and you you would really love to have one, we have Bibles here that we would love to give you. So if you would love to have one and you don't own one and you don't know how to get one, Please come speak to us after. We have Bibles that have been donated that are fantastic and we would love to give you one. So we don't want to, we don't want anybody to be without a Bible. So if that's, if that's something you need, come speak to us because we want to give you one. Matthew chapter four. We're starting a new series this morning called life in the kingdom. And really this right here, this one verse that we're going to look at this morning is very much an anchor point in everything we're about to talk about over the next number of weeks, just in this one verse, this one statement from Jesus holds so much weight. Matthew 4, verse 17, Jesus says, or it says this, from, the time, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. One more time, God, we just give you our attention this morning. Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes, open our ears to very simply your good news this morning? Would you set captives free? Would we understand at a deeper level the freedom and the good news, Jesus, of the kingdom of heaven coming near? Because I think in the times we live in, Father, This is the good news we need. This is the good news we need. So God, we give you this time. We give you ourselves. Would we not just be great hearers of your truth and your good news, but God, would we be surrendered? And would we be responders to the good news that we hear here in this place today? We love you and we trust you, amen. From that time on, Jesus began to preach Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. These are uh, some of the first public words we have recorded from Jesus. Before Jesus would go on to teach on loving your enemies and a radical forgiveness, before Jesus would heal the sick, before he would feed the hungry and give sight to the blind, before Jesus would physically go to the cross, willingly surrendering himself out of a radical love for all of creation, including you and me here now, what we celebrate and what we we remembered and rooted ourselves in here at the table this morning. And before he was raised to new life on the third day, before any of this, Jesus says this one statement here in Matthew 4.17. And it's an anchor, as I already said, to everything that I just gave an example of. Now, we just read out of the Gospel of Matthew, and and Matthew was one of Jesus' disciples. And he's writing this for those who are following Jesus in order for them to know at a deeper level the one they are following. To know the words that he said, to know the example he showed how to live so that they could follow him with a full heart of devotion. Everything that Matthew wrote in this Gospel was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And what that means is that nothing recorded in this gospel is a mistake. Everything, and I mean everything, was written on purpose. None of it is random. None of it is filler. He didn't want to beat all the other disciples by having the longest gospel. This was on purpose. And Jesus said this first, friends, because it's actually that important. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Very simply, this is at the heart of the good news of Jesus. So if this is that important to Jesus, if this is everything, this is the anchor point, the foundation to all the good news of Jesus that we're going to experience and read in all of the four gospels, if it's that important to Jesus, the question that may be rising in your mind or should be rising in your mind right now is simply this question, why? Why is this so important to Jesus? Why is this line right here, out of all the things that Jesus could say and do at the very beginning of his public ministry, why does Jesus say this? From that time on, Jesus began to preach. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Over the next six weeks, we're going to explore the answer to this question. Why is this so important to Jesus? But before we start unpacking any of this, uh, first a story. At least once a day, usually far more, there is Disney princess songs playing all over my house. Anthem after anthem of each Disney princess with full dress-up and choreography prepared. I kid you not. Whether it's Ariel singing, someday I'll be, wish I could be. <laughs> Part of your world. I'll save you the rest. I do know them. One song has grabbed my attention over any other Disney Princess anthem, though. And it's the song Let It Go from the movie Frozen. Now, I'm sorry if as soon as I mention that title, you instantly have the song running through your head. I apologize. It's probably going to happen all day, so just settle into it. But it's the anthem song of the Princess Elsa. And there's there's one line in this song that has stood out to me. I, I've heard it so many times. I can't tell you how many times I have sang along with this song in the van. But there's one line that stands out to me very strongly in the song. And it's simply this. It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. You may be thinking, John, this is just a silly Disney princess song. Would you just calm down? It's just a Disney movie. Relax. I can't, because I think there's far more in this one line, and we may actually miss it at a quick glance. Just take take a closer look, just especially in that last line for a moment. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. I think for so many of us in the world we live in right now, this, this is, quite honestly, is our, is our view of freedom. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. All I need to do is follow my heart, be true to myself, resist the rules and the boundaries all around me in order for me to discover the freedom that is deep inside me, and I just need to break free and set that free within me. In a very real sense, we set ourselves up as kings and queens, or kings or queens of our own kingdoms. And this kingdom, no right, no wrongs, no rules for me, I'm free. If I could be quite honest, I think most of the world lives in this kingdom. But let's ask the question, what is a kingdom? What is a kingdom? Because I'm not going to get into a political conversation because I don't want to get punched in the face this morning. (laughs) But reality is we all live in a democracy, right? Whether we like it or not and all that, we could, we'll get coffee sometime and we can talk about it. But the reality is we live in a democracy. We don't really have an idea of what it means for a king or queen to rule over us in the same way that Jesus is talking about in the first century. The idea of a kingdom or a king or a queen ruling over us in a way that we submit to them, that's a very foreign concept to many of us. So what is a kingdom? The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines the word kingdom as a country or a state or a territory that is ruled by a king or a queen. Or very simply, a kingdom is where the will of the one ruling it is done. For example, my Adeline, for those of you who don't know, she's my oldest daughter and she's six and just absolutely full of life. But in her kingdom, where her will is desired to be done, she would love to have ice cream literally every waking moment of her life. I'm not exaggerating in the slightest. In her kingdom, she should have ice cream anytime she wants. But as her father, who I would love to give her ice cream, I love the joy in her face when I bring her. I brought her a smoothie yesterday, and I might as well have brought her a pot of gold. It was amazing. But I know if she has ice cream as many times as she desires it, friends, it is going to be a terrible day for her and for everybody in that house. And so oftentimes, more times than not, I say no to ice cream, especially for breakfast at 5.30 in the morning. True story. Adeline's version of freedom, according to Elsa, in the moments when I say no to ice cream, her view of freedom, according to this paradigm, is break free from that. If you want ice cream, you should have it. You just need to resist the rules that say you shouldn't have ice cream. So fight back. Go get your ice cream. But if she follows that logic, and I know this is a cute example, but just follow this logic for a second. If she follows this view of freedom and she eats ice cream literally every single time she desires it, what ends up happening is a stomach ache, a sugar crash, and she has a miserable day. Her kingdom of her desires ends up not leading to the good she was hoping it would. And what she'll discover is instead of finding satisfaction like she was hoping she would in this bowl of ice cream, over and over again, it eventually meets her with pain and anger, disappointment. She ends up longing for something that's better. But Jesus has a completely different offer here in Matthew 4 that we read at the beginning. Jesus offers something completely different, a completely different paradigm of what freedom is. An invitation so good that it's literally the very first thing out of the mouth of Jesus to the rest of the world around him. And it's so good, and it's so earth-shattering that Matthew, inspired and empowered by the Holy Spirit, literally writes about this, this topic of the kingdom of heaven 32 times in his gospel alone. 32 times. Nothing is repeated more than this. Jesus says that another kingdom... Another way has come near. And it's actually so good and it's so satisfying, it's literally worth leaving everything behind in order to follow it. This is why Jesus says at the very beginning of Matthew 4 17, he says, Repent. Now, repent, it's this Greek word, metneo. Can you say that with me? Metneo. Well done. You now know Greek. And the best way to describe this word metaneo or repent is is to have a complete change of direction. I know I've talked about this before. It's an acknowledgement that the path I am going down is the wrong way. And so I come to a complete stop and I have a complete change of direction. It's not just a subtle change. It is I am going this way, I stop, and I am repenting from this way in order to go this way. Jesus would go on to say that this kingdom, in this kingdom, you don't hate your enemies and get back at those in anger like you're used to. Jesus says in this kingdom, you love and you forgive. In this kingdom, Jesus says that has come near, there's actually real peace. He talked about it, how in every other kingdom, in, in, in John 14, he talks about how in every other kingdom, you will have trouble. You will experience chaos. You will experience the wrong way, but not in this kingdom. Jesus says in the kingdom of heaven, there will be peace waiting for you. In this kingdom, Jesus said there's real rest. In every other kingdom, you will be weighed down by busyness and jealousy or anger or or discontentment, but not in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says in this kingdom, you will actually find rest for your soul. In other words, this will be everything you long for. In this kingdom, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Those who have been rejected and thrown aside by every other kingdom. In this kingdom, in the good kingdom where God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven, as Jesus prayed, the forgotten have found a home. Now this sounds pretty fantastic, doesn't it? I don't know, as as I'm reading this, I think, man, this is fantastic. This is very great news. I want this. Something deep inside me jumps to life whenever I hear the good news of Jesus. If you read Matthew 5 all the way through 7, Jesus outlines in detail what the kingdom of heaven looks like, and you read it, and you just get so filled with hope. Jesus, this is such good news. So why don't we see this kingdom around us more? If it's this good, why don't we see this around us more? Because we don't have to look very far to see the kingdom that Jesus is talking about here seems quite far away. It it maybe doesn't seem as near like he said it was. Now the truth is there's always one kingdom that tends to get in the way of what Jesus is describing. There's one kingdom that always seems to just put a big blockage in what Jesus desires to do. And it's, it's this one kingdom: the kingdom of the self. We get in the way. We get in the way. See, as much as we long for everything that Jesus is offering here, peace and rest and joy and the last shall be first and the first shall be last, just not hating your enemies but loving them, as much as we all long for that, there's also a pull in every single one of us to get our own way instead. And I see this full well every time a new Barbie enters our house. Adeline will get one for her birthday or for Christmas and for a split second, both girls are outrageously excited. Could not be a better day until Olive wants to hold the Barbie instead of Adeline. And in a matter of moments, I am fully aware that there is something in the way of the good news that Jesus is talking about. And it comes very much alive in my house. The last shall be first and the first shall be last sounds good until you're the one who is first. and I believe this is actually really hard for so many of us. Because we live in a culture created by the self getting what the self wants. If you want it, you should get it. We have entire economies built on this. If you desire it, you should go take it. And it feels good for a while, doesn't it? It feels good to self-indulge. It feels good to go and fill a shopping cart full of Reese's peanut butter cups until you have a stomach ache at 10 p.m. It feels good for a little while, but at what cost? Too often, the only way we get what we want is at the expense of someone else. We want cheaper clothes from a department store, but at the expense of our slave or child labor across the world. We want the job promotion at the expense though, unfortunately, sometimes at the expense of our friends we had to crush along the way up the ladder. We want the big salary and the big payday, but far too often, it's at the expense of quality time with our family. We may have had the paycheck that we wanted, but we didn't have the relationship with our kids like we thought we would. We want to spend our life doing everything that we wanted, but too often it's at the expense of growing closer daily to the God who actually created us and who wants to know us at that deep of a level. Later on in Matthew, Jesus will say, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? The kingdom of the self feels good for a while, but it draws a heavy cost. For far too many, we end up gaining the whole world, as Jesus said, but we've lost our soul along the way. And this goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, the very beginning. And this may seem like a little bit on repeat for you, because we talk about this in the very beginning all the time at Lighthouse Church. But we can't lose track of the truth that we live in. In the beginning, we see at the very beginning of your Bible, in the book of Genesis, the very first book, you see and experience what it's like when God's will is done on earth. God created a good and a perfect world where his will was done at all times. The only kingdom that existed at the very beginning was the kingdom where God was in charge. And everything was perfect. There was no sickness. There was no poverty, no cancer, No pandemics, no financial crises, no loneliness or depression or anxiety. There are no bullies, no unfaithfulness, no greed, no wars, no conflict, no bombings. Just the goodness of God. Sounds pretty fantastic, doesn't it? Peace reigns supreme. But when Adam and Eve decided they didn't want God's good way, what we discover is that the kingdom of self was established. And the kingdom of the self is in full defiance of the good way of God. And with this one decision to ignore the goodness of God, humanity became kings and queens of their own lives, and the cost is excruciating. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Does it sound familiar? What we find is it didn't lead to freedom. It actually led to more brokenness. And we have been aching and longing for God to be in charge once again. This is why, or this is what makes the first statement from Jesus here so important. This is what makes it so radically good news. Because Jesus is saying with this one verse in Matthew four seventeen, Jesus is saying there is a way for God to be in charge once again. There is a way for the brokenness and the loneliness and the pain that we experience daily in the kingdoms we all tend to live in, there's a way for that to be dealt with. There's a way for all the harm and the brokenness that has been done in our world to actually be done away with. There's a good way, friends, and it has actually come near. But you have to do one thing. We have to respond to it. Again, Jesus says, repent. Now, this sounds like a heavy word for many of us. I I personally believe this word has been abused and used out of context probably far too many times. I think for many of us, we hear the word repent and what mentally comes to our mind is an angry pastor screaming at you with pointing a finger in your face. (laughs) That was my upbringing a lot of the time. I hear the word repent and I hear anger, right? I hear the word repent and I hear like, like just shame almost. But you know what? That's actually not what the word repentance means. Repentance is an invitation to leave what is dead and follow Jesus into what is life everlasting. Repentance is acknowledging that I haven't found what I'm looking for and I'm coming to you, Jesus, because you are everything that I have actually been searching for. Friends, very truly, repentance is the beginning steps of freedom in Jesus. That's pretty awesome news. Repentance is the beginning steps of freedom in Jesus. It is 100% acknowledging the way I've gone is not good, but it is acknowledging at a deeper level that Jesus, you have a better way for me and I'm gonna say yes to it. Later in Matthew seven, Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I believe this is so true. Jesus has life and life to the full on offer, and yet many of us miss it because we've chosen the broader way, the kingdom of the self. But Jesus says, if you choose the kingdom of the self, you'll never find the kingdom of heaven. Let's go back to my daughter sharing the Barbie for a moment. If if Adeline gets the Barbie and screams in Olive's face, which usually happens, because she wants the Barbie instead of her sister, what happens in our home? Chaos is a very accurate word. (laughs) Peace is long gone. And let me tell you, those girls can scream. But you know what else I know? When Adeline says instead of freaking out, she lets the kingdom of herself die and she shares with her sister, you know what happens? Something very beautiful happens in my home. Peace. Love. And it's not just the quality of two little girls playing with one another. That's a quality of the kingdom of heaven taking root in my home. And you know what else happens? Adeline will, or Olive will eventually give all or Adeline back the Barbie. And what Olive will do is she'll go grab all of her other Barbies. And before I know it, there's this whole game of Barbies playing in my, in my living room. And it's just all because of one little moment of my six-year-old daughter saying, you know what? I don't have to get my way because I love my sister. That's not just two kids being cute. That's my daughter tapping into the good news of Jesus. Imagine what Graham and Ann would look like if the kingdom of heaven came this close. Imagine what our island would look like if the kingdom of heaven came that close. What if the kingdom of heaven instead of the kingdom of the self ruled and reigned on our island? Where instead of gossip and slander, we spoke words of encouragement and love for one another. That's all rooted in the good way of Jesus where instead of paranoia and panic, peace and rest rooted in Jesus was our reality, where instead of broken families, kingdom families were established, all rooted in the good way of Jesus. Friends, this is not a fantasy. This is not just me taking this too seriously. This right here is the invitation from Jesus in real time to his people. This is very much real-life invitation from Jesus to build our lives on the kingdom of heaven if we are willing to let go of ourself and instead submit to Jesus as Lord. Where King Jesus rules and reigns in the lives of those who follow him. Where we hear the words of Jesus and we submit to them and obey them no matter how much they confront our own personal kingdoms. There's the stinger right there. This is what we were talking about in our last series. Jesus said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Obedience to the words of Jesus. And it's what Pastor Andrew was saying last week as he was ending our series on building the house. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We as followers of Jesus have to take these words seriously because these are not just concepts for us to understand and just simply agree with. These are words of life that transforms every part of how we're living through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's what Paul says in Romans 12. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be what? transformed by the renewing of your mind. There are kingdoms, friends, all around us that do not line up with the good way of Jesus. And we have to decide who will follow. Paul says, don't just go with the flow of all the other kingdoms around you. Don't just go with it because it seems like it may be the good way. Paul says, instead, be transformed to live in a kingdom where God's good and pleasing will is done through you. Don't conform, be transformed. That's the crazy part. You and I, we are the ambassadors of the good news of Jesus. No pressure. We are, why why does Jesus invite us to live? The kingdom of heaven has come near because we become the ambassadors of the very thing that Jesus said, this has come near to you. How will Graham and Ann know the kingdom of heaven? By you and I submitting to Jesus with our whole lives, with every word that comes out of our mouth, with everything we put our hand to where instead of the kingdom of self, we follow Jesus and the kingdom of heaven has come near. I'm going to end here in a moment. Eugene Peterson, he wrote this. If Christ is king, everything, quite literally everything and everyone has to be reimagined, reconfigured, reoriented to a way of life that consists in an obedient following of Jesus. And then he gives us a real strong encouragement. This is not easy. It is not accomplished by participating in a prayer meeting or two or signing up for a seven-step course in discipleship at school or church or attending an annual prayer breakfast. A total renovation of our imagination. Our way of looking at things. What Jesus commanded in his no-nonsense imperative, repent, is required. Isn't that good? If Christ is king, everything, quite literally everything and everyone has to be reimagined, reconfigured, reoriented in a way of life that consists in an obedient following of Jesus. I believe we need a radical rediscovery of Jesus as Lord of our lives. I think we have an understanding of Jesus as Savior, but the idea of Jesus as Lord I think there's a good news waiting for us there if we can actually understand what that means, where there's no other option. As a friend of mine was praying last week in in pre-gathering prayer that Jesus, there's just no other option but you. That's what it means to to make Jesus Lord of your life. Jesus, you are the only way. The earliest followers of Jesus understood this. There was a whole life surrender to Jesus as Lord, not just on church days, but every single day, every single moment of their lives. The early church... Don't get me wrong, I'm not over-romanticizing the early church. They were perfect, or they weren't perfect, and they had problems just as much as we do. But just get what it says here in Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with thought, the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. That means they got along. That would have been fun to watch. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. What a picture. Every day, every day, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Every day. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people And good lighting and good sound systems added to their numbers daily, those who were being saved. And good projection and good this and good that added to the numbers that were being saved that day. No. The Lord added to their numbers daily, those who were being saved. They didn't just do all of this because it sounded like a good idea. They lived this way. They lived this way in response to Jesus as Lord of their lives. A wholehearted allegiance and devotion to Jesus, not out of duty, but out of a loving surrender because Jesus had shown them the only good way. See, these earlier followers of Jesus, they were experiencing in real life the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. As many of us here in this room have experienced, the kingdom of heaven had very truly come near. They followed Jesus's way above any other way. Everything stated here in Acts chapter two is modeled after Jesus. This wasn't just a good human system that was created. They were modeling their lives after Jesus. Nothing was casual about their obedience and love for Jesus. It consumed all of their lives. I'll say it again, we need a radical rediscovery of Jesus as Lord of our lives. The reality is we live in a kingdom Every single one of us lives in a kingdom. A place where a king or a queen rules and reigns, where the desires of the one ruling that kingdom is always done. The question isn't, do you live in a kingdom? The real question is, whose kingdom are you living in? Whose kingdom are you living in? I'm gonna invite Pastor Michelle to come up. Here are the good news of Jesus right now, friends. If you find yourself trapped in the kingdom of the self, where what you desire is just not delivering on what you thought it would, where in a very real way, all the money in the world isn't actually solving all of your problems, where spending your life unnecessarily rushing from event to event leaves you far more exhausted and empty than when you started. One thing, uh, Dallas Willard, he's a theologian and a writer, I, I read quite often. He was asked, what, what's the biggest obstacle in your spiritual life, growing closer to Jesus? What's, what... He was asked, what's, what's the biggest thing that gets in our way often? And he said this, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. <laughs> How many people feel hurried? Me, I, if I had seven hands, every hand would be up. I think that is such a huge thief of our joy in our world right now. Just this frantic running, I gotta, I gotta establish this, I gotta get this done, I've gotta figure this out, I've gotta master this, and I've gotta fix this, and I've gotta get control of this, and I gotta get my kids here, and I gotta get here, and I gotta, <sighs> have you even felt your own heartbeat? You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Why? Because then you can listen. If you are not free, if you just honestly don't feel like you're living a life of joy and peace and love that only Jesus can offer you himself, if that kind of life feels really far away from you right now, if you are longing for a different way, a better way to be set free, friends, Jesus is inviting you right now This isn't just a text thousands of years ago that we just have recorded for them there and then. Jesus is saying to every single one of us in this room today in 2023 on Thanksgiving Sunday, the kingdom of heaven has come near to you. To you. We're going to spend the next number of weeks exploring the the kingdom of heaven, and what this really looks like in real life and how polar opposite it is to literally everything around us. That's the roadmap for the rest of the fall going into Christmas. That's crazy. That's the roadmap. That's where we're going. That's where we're going to spend the next while. is really unpacking at a deep level. What does it look like to actually live into the kingdom of heaven in obedience to Jesus? But this morning, here's my question. It's not just a question. Here's my invitation for us as a church. Have we let the kingdom of heaven come near to us? Have we let the kingdom of heaven, where God's rule and reign is done through his people, where there's peace and joy and love and forgiveness that's only rooted in Jesus, have we let that kind of life and that kind of kingdom come near to us? Have we? Have you and I let Jesus be Lord? Have we let him transform every part of our lives? As Paul says, Or have we just conformed to the pattern of this world? How do we speak to our kids? That's a hard one for me right now. My kids have been sick for a few days, and let me tell you, it's not sunshine and rainbows. But have I let the kingdom of heaven come close to me enough that it's transforming how I speak to my kids? Have we let the kingdom of heaven into our marriages? Do we love one another in the way that Jesus invites us to? Have we let the kingdom of heaven into our families? Have we let the kingdom of heaven come near to our finances and our entertainment and our businesses, how we conduct our businesses? Do we do it in an honorable way that lines up with the way of Jesus? Have we let the kingdom of heaven come come close to our generosity? How we love those that the rest of the world has pushed aside and said, you don't belong here how we feed the hungry, how we serve the poor. Those of the world have said, you don't belong here. Have we let the kingdom of heaven, friends, come that close to us? Paul says again, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Why? Because it's broken. And I think, to be quite honest with you, and all the conflicts that we're seeing in the world right now it's not just Israel it's not just Ukraine it's happening all over the place i love we i'm thankful for our government i'm thankful for the world that we live in i'm thankful for the country we live in but friends my hope is not in a canadian government or a united nations or in any kind of peacemaking missions I'm thankful for that's the world we live in, but they're not going to do it. The kingdom of heaven coming near is the only hope for a broken world. It's the only hope for Graham and Ann, for God's people, the church, to understand that we are Christ's ambassadors, that we we don't get to just walk away and say somebody else will deal with that. We don't get to say, well, that's somebody else's problem and that's another generation's problem. Friends, we're it. We're it. We are here for such a time as this to do what? To be ambassadors of the good kingdom that has come near. But how do we do that? How do we do that? Because that seems like a big task. Maybe some of you are like, (laughs) count me out. Too much pressure. We do that by first letting the kingdom of heaven come close to us. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. I will neither leave you nor forsake you. We do not walk alone. Kingdom of heaven is available to you right now. Do you desire the good news of Jesus to come that close to you? Maybe it's an obsession with control. Maybe that's the kingdom you feel slave to. If I can just have control over my circumstances and my life, then I'll be at peace, but it's just not working. Maybe it's a ruthless pursuit of money and power, and it's just not satisfying you. Maybe it's you're bound up by fear and anxiety and worry, and you just wake up with this low-grade anxiety in your body at all times. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's a habit of gossip. Whatever is robbing you of the peace and the love that Jesus is talking about in the kingdom of heaven, one more time, friends, listen to the good news of Jesus. Another way is available to you if you want it. I think sometimes we just, we're just we just gonna be slaves to this forever, so I better get used to it. You can leave that behind. You can say yes to the good news of Jesus. Paul writes, as prisoners for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. What is life in the kingdom? Very simply, not conforming to the pattern of this world, but being transformed through the Holy Spirit, being transformed from the inside out to life with Jesus as the one and only true way. Oh, oh,